information. Um, this uh, Friday, uh, there's going to be five of us that are leaving for Peru, Caleb, myself, Annette, and Troy and Heidi Root. So we're going to be leaving on a mission trip to Peru, which means I will not be here next Sunday. Uh, and so uh, I won't be here for the next two Sundays, but the next two Sundays, uh, I've reached out to Mike Benson of the Conquerors, and he will be joining us. And uh, I'm going to entrust the, uh, the stage to him, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to him. And if you know Mike Benson, if you've ever seen him or been here during one of his services, you know that it's just a wonderful, powerful time of God. And he loves to pray for people and set people free. Not him, but he loves, that's how God uses him in a powerful way. So I would expect the same uh, the next two Sundays. Uh, and I would, I would encourage you, if you know anybody who's struggling, anybody who's depressed, anybody who's bound up, anybody who's dealing with any kind of sickness or disease, and even if they're not a Christian, just tell them, would you come to church with me? We have an evangelist coming. God uses him to pray for people. Many people are healed. Many people are set free um, through his ministry. So prepare for the power, okay? So... I'm excited. I feel, I'm, I feel like I'm leaving you in good hands for the next two weeks, okay, while I'm gone. Uh, so Mike will be here, Mike Benson, and just really excited to have him, and our elders will continue to be here, um, but I will not. So God bless you guys. Be praying for us at the end of the service. Um, I'm going to ask for all of our uh, missionaries this summer, for our African and for our Peruvian missionaries. Uh, to come forward, and we want to pray and commission them. And then later this summer, we will do that with our Mackinac Island team, okay? But the, this Sunday, I want to pray for our, our people who are going to Africa, Rwanda, and going to Peru. We're going to do that at the end of the service. So if it looks like I haven't done that yet, and I forgot, somebody here tell me to do that. Okay, because we're a family. And sometimes I do forget stuff, and I don't want to forget that. So, And I would, really would like to invite you to continue to pray for us uh, during that time. Uh, for the Peru trip especially, um, we, they kind of overlap, so we leave on Friday, and then the Rwanda trip team, they leave the next week, I think, like five or six days later, uh, on Thursday, the next week, okay? Um, and so uh, in Peru, there's going to be 5,000 missionaries from the United States joining up with 5,000 missionaries from Peru to blitz the entire nation in a week and point everybody to these 10 giant stadium events. And we're believing that God will revolutionize and, and revive an entire nation in a week. So we're going to be doing all kinds of things. You know, every, we're going to have people reach out in schools. And we have medical. Annette's going to be on the medical team. We have, I think, 1,000 medical personnel going to just help people in that area. We have a lot of pastors and preachers. You know, I'm going to be preaching on Sunday morning in Peru, and then I'll be preaching on Tuesday night at another church. Uh, so we have all the, all the pastors are spreading out and preaching at all the churches, encouraging the people. And then we're going to be in schools, doing assemblies, doing parks. I'm going to be on a soccer team playing soccer for Jesus. <laughs> so I did a little pickup game the other day with my family. We have enough in our family to have a soccer game, uh, you know. So, good advantage to having lots of kids. Um, and the next day, I couldn't hardly walk. Oh, man. My legs are super sore. Everything was sore. It's hurting. Anyway, so I'm trying to get in shape for Peru. I got a couple more days left. 
Um, and so, and then the Rwandan trip, you know, they're, they're just going to do some phenomenal things with the schools and the girls and the children and going to the prisons. And, and it's just going to be an awesome experience for all of us. But we need your prayer. Uh, you know, we just need people who are home praying for us because there's all kinds of extra challenges, you know, when you go abroad like that and you're trying to push back a kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. There's going to be all kinds of extra uh, conflicts in the spiritual realm that we need a breakthrough and we need help and prayer is what does that. Prayer is the only power we have and so we need a power up for that too. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, that's, that's all I had to say about that. I want to talk about Father's Day today and uh, the word in Hebrew for father is Abba. Have you heard that before? Abba. It's actually in the New Testament. You'll see Jesus using that word I think once in the New Testament and it doesn't translate it. It just says Abba. Uh, and, and in English, we might spell it A-B-B-A, but in Hebrew, it's just two letters. It's Aleph, Bet. It's the first letter and the second letter of Hebrew. Now, the first letter in Hebrew, Aleph, uh, comes from an ancient picture of an ox head, and it represented strength and power. And uh, because in the ancient days, uh, you used the ox to do all of your hard work, all of your power work. You know, you'd put the plow, the oxen would pull the plows. Remember in the Bible, Elijah and Elisha, and I think it was Elisha had 12 oxen uh, yoked together, and he was plowing the fields when Elijah called him to follow him. So that represents power and strength, represents the leader, and it's first, first letter. So it represents our Father God, who is the strong leader, the most powerful, almighty leader is God. Okay, so that's Aleph. And then bet is, uh, if you looked at it, it's kind of like looking down on a floor plan of a house or a tent. And so today that would be like our dwelling place or our home. So if we just go back to the original meaning of what Abba would be, it might be this, the strong leader of the home. That's what father is. Now, um, I'm not uh, a chauvinistic person, so don't get, take this wrong. I'm not saying that at all. God is our Father, He is our strong leader, but the leader, the leader does what? You know, what does that mean to be the strong leader? Does that mean to be the one with the muscles? Does that mean to be the one that gets to call all the shots? Does that mean the Father is the boss? The Father is the one that gets His way? No, of course not. That's not what that means at all because we know what Father means by looking at our Heavenly Father and looking at what he has done for us and how he has projected himself and his character to us. So our Heavenly Father has demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ, when he came, God himself in the flesh came. He said, there's no greater love that you can have for somebody than you lay your life down for them. No greater love can one have for a friend than he lay or she lay his or her life down for a friend, and that is what you are. You are a friend of God, and God has laid his life down for you. But you are his child. So 1 John 3, 1, I want to challenge you to meditate and memorize this verse this week, okay? And uh, I think it's in your notes. Uh, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Everybody say lavished. Uh, we just sang a song, I, I wish... Uh, the word was different. Maybe we should just change it ourselves. But it talks about the reckless love of God. And some people have an issue with that word reckless, and I understand that. 
Uh, it's not actually in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say God's love is reckless. I understand what, they, what the songwriter's trying to say. He's just saying, it's just, it's just coming at you, you know, and that kind of, but, but a better word would be lavish. That is a biblical word. It is in a verse in the Bible, and it does say that his love for you is lavish. What does that mean to you? I don't know. I was asking some of our prayer team this morning, you know, does any pictures come to mind when you think something that's lavish, something that's over the top? Maybe, what's that? Means great to you, but does that mean like a room full of balloons? A supercar? <laughs> what? A feast, yeah, like a, you know, a lavish Thanksgiving meal feast. The, the love of God, whatever picture comes to your mind, whether that's a perfectly mowed, striped fairway, <laughs> downhill, elevated green, and a 30-mile-per-hour wind at your back, oh, yeah, there's just something about it. There's a confidence level that just goes up and up and up with all those factors that you can, you can experience the lavish love of God because it is for all of us and as we sang, nobody has earned it, and nobody has deserved it. It is who God is, and it's how he has revealed himself to us, that he loves you. He loves you. And it is only out of the revelation of his love in us that we do anything else right in life. It's when we are tapping in to that amazing truth that God is love, and we, we allow that to you know, impact our hearts, that then something miraculous happens through us, we begin to love somebody else. How many agree with me on that one? And it's in those moments when I am without fear because I'm, I'm lost in the truth of how much God loves me that I have nothing to worry about. Then I can truly be released to the, begin to be merciful and kind and loving and giving and sacrificial to people around me. That's, those are the only moments in my life that matter are when I'm walking in the love of God. And so may the love of God overcome you. May the love of God dwell in you richly. And may the love of God flow through you freely. You have freely received. Jesus said, now freely give. You have freely received, so freely give. And as you give, you, you create a vacuum and a pull on more love flowing in. And it's just it's a flow, and that's why I always say we are conduits of heaven. And uh, if you want to be a great father and young people, uh, you know, if you want to be a great father, then you need to emulate your father in heaven. I have a great earthly father, two earthly fathers. You know, my, my in-law father and my natural father are two great men of God. I mean, I've been super blessed. But my true picture of fatherhood has to come from the Father in heaven, because even my great fathers probably have hiccups or lacks or, or, or idiosyncrasies or things that are out of alignment. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just saying, welcome to humanity, right? So all of us need to find our love and security from our heavenly Father. Not all, everybody here even knows who their father, er, earthly Father is. Some of you uh, have not grown up with a loving, caring, responsible, providing, protecting father. But you have a heavenly father who has done all those things for you. And he is doing all those things for you. And he is everything that you need. And by the grace of God, he can heal our wounds and our hurts, the things that we have lacked in life. 
and he can replenish that. He can supply all that we need. Can I get an amen? amen? So may God be blessed in your life. May he have freedom to come in and fill you up. Uh, here's a couple of things I wanted to share with you about fatherhood. Just a couple points real quick. Number one, a godly father leads. And as I mentioned at the outset, we have a huge leadership vacuum in our country because we don't have godly men who are leading. We don't have enough godly men who are leading. A father leads his family. The scripture says this in Genesis 18. God is talking, and he says, I've chosen him, he's talking about Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So God says, I've chosen Abraham so that he will teach his children and his family and command them, we are going to follow the Lord. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to lead you to follow the Lord, to know his ways. I'm going to show you, and we're going to do righteousness together. I'm going to show you, and we're going to do justice together. I'm going to teach you and lead you in the ways of the Lord. Okay, why? Why is this so important? The, the last part of that verse is, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has promised about him, so that the promises of God can be fulfilled in your life. Okay, in Deuteronomy, it talks about how uh, when we serve the Lord and we follow his commands, God says, so that it may go well with you and your children. God wants to bless your family, but he has called the father to be the leader. The leader, the one who's willing to lay his life down for the benefit of his family. In the, in the footsteps of our Savior, in the footsteps of our Heavenly Father, a earthly father's job is not, he doesn't get to just wear this belt, you know, and use it for harm or use it for power to get his way. It has nothing to do with godly leadership at all. Godly leadership says, I'm laying my life down. I'm gonna do what's necessary for the benefit of my family to protect them, provide them, guide them, and, and correct them, and discipline them, and I'm, we're going to go for it. We're going to go after God and his ways. That's what that, that's what that means, okay? So uh, the Father, uh, we, we are to be bearing the burden of leadership uh, in our families. We are to do what's necessary to lead our families so that it will go well with them as well. Uh, and I have not been a perfect example of this either. But, you know, this is, our, this is our, our, our goal, is to serve, not to be served. And so God gives us that responsibility. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we can't abdicate our responsibility to lead our family into the ways of God. We're not there just to beat our kids yell at them, make them do what we want. Or we're not, that's not what our, our job is. Our job is to lead and train and instruct our children into the ways of God, to, to get their, their heart, to capture their hearts for God and to point them in that direction. Um, and so I just want to say this real quick. Discipline, when we discipline children, for instance, guys, uh, it is uh, never to be out of anger, and I, if I could do anything different in my life, it would be to take back all those moments when I was disciplining or correcting my children and I was angry. If I could just rewind and just change all of that, that's the first thing I would do because I have 
failed in that before, where my anger took over and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't godly and it wasn't good and it doesn't, it doesn't help and it doesn't train. Uh, and uh, I've noticed as I've gotten older and had more kids, I grew, I got better, I learned, and then I look around and I see our society and, uh, and, I, and I can see these examples all around where people are just yelling at their kids or just, you know, just, and there's no training or instructing. It's just yelling and anger and reaction. But God has called us to teach and to train. I like to think of it as coaching, to coach, because it will go well with them if we teach and train and coach our kids in the ways of the Lord, not the ways of the world, but in the ways of God. So throughout our life, you know, with our kids, you know, why do we do this? Because this is what God says to do. That's why we do it. And when we do what God says to do, we will be blessed. We will have the best. Uh, Others may not do it that way, but this is why we do it. This is how we do it, and this is why we do it. And so we instruct, you know, trying to instruct our family in the ways of God. All right, the second thing, and I'll say this, uh, to those of you who are having babies, congratulations. I know Caleb and Tess are going to be parents here uh, this year for the first time. Tucker and Ashley just had their first baby. This is their first Father's Day and their first Mother's Day and all that. Anybody else here expecting? Yeah. Alicia? Jonathan? Awesome. Anybody else? It's, now, the Bible says that the children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a reward from God. They're also um, a, a uh, very, what I'm trying to say is that when you have a child, God is endorsing you as a parent and saying, I'm entrusting this child to you. I believe in you. If you believe in me and rely on me, you'll have everything you need as a parent, grandparent, to raise this child in my ways, but you're going to have to rely on him to do it. But isn't that an amazing privilege that God gives us a child and trusts us with an eternal being for a few years to shoot them like an arrow at the target God created them for? And so that's what you guys are doing. You're all archery people. You're all shooting arrows. And there is a target. There isn't a randomness to parenting. Uh, It's all about the ways of the Lord. Can I get an amen? Listen, if you do not purpose to raise your kids in the way of the Lord, then your kids will follow the way of the world. It's absolutely what will happen. You cannot be passive. You are there to train and instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. We live in a a world contrary to the ways of the Lord. More and more, uh, there are different opinions and different crazy ideas out there in the world. And so when those things come up in our family, we talk about it. And I tell them what I think and what I believe, and I tell them, you know, what God thinks or what God believes and how God created things to be because we have to. We have to talk about these things. We have to train our kids on how to follow the word of God and what is true and what is right. All right. Number two, a godly father protects. Let me ask you this, guys, and everyone here. If a thief came into your home, And while your family was there, what would you expect from a father in that home? Would you expect that father to uh, hide in the closet and hope someone else takes care of it? Or to jump out the window and run as fast as he can and just ditch his family? Of course not. You would expect that father to do whatever 
is necessary to protect his family and his home. Right? Because a father has that instinct that it's bigger than me. I am here to take care of my family. And I, and I will do whatever I need to do to take care of my family. And who does, this, who does this person think he is? He doesn't belong here. And there would be a confrontation. Now, God protects us. And if we can rely on his protection, uh, he will always lead us to victory. I remember one time, I don't remember it very well, though, because I was asking my wife about this story this morning, trying to get some more details, and she couldn't remember it either. <laughs> we just remember the big picture. So we were somewhere, and I was carrying one of my kids. <laughs> I think, we think it was Chase, and he was a toddler. He was probably, you know, probably 18 months or something like that. We're going up these steps somewhere, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm tripping. And in my mind, I had about a five-minute conversation. You ever have that, like a split second? You know, you're going through all these things. Okay, if I throw the child, <laughs> I could probably catch myself. And not get hurt. No, that's probably not a good option. <laughs> and I'm falling backwards, and these steps are wood. They're going to hurt. So what do we, you know, all this stuff. Anyway. And so I'm falling, and I'm just like, okay. And I just put, hold him up like this as I'm falling backwards and going, boom, bam, boom, boom. I get to the bottom of the steps. I was like, I did it. I passed the damn test. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And then I'm like, oh, man, you know, bruises everywhere and pain and all that stuff. And, you know, the father, the father protects. He protects. We must protect our kids. But let me just kind of, you know, throw a little curveball at you now, okay? I talked about a thief coming into the home, and, of course, I think we all agree, you know, the guy should do something. The father should do something. But here's where it really comes down to it. Not just physical protection, but spiritual protection in our home. Whatever... You allow in your home is your responsibility. So now we're talking about TV and movies and music and social media. And there are enemies coming into your home through these different venues trying to bind your children, trying to deceive your children, trying to implant wrong things into your children. And you have intruders in your home. And it's your responsibility, whatever you allow in your home, you are allowing, and, and you cannot be passive about computers and social media and cell phones and movies and music, because all of that stuff has an impact. It absolutely does. Don't even try to tell me it doesn't. That's just ridiculous. It does. What we put before us, what we're listening to, what we, they begin to form our thoughts and our opinions about this world. And so I just want to challenge you. It is a responsibility that we have, uh, you know, to protect our kids by knowing what's going on and protecting them from things that they're watching or listening to. We have to create healthy boundaries in the home. Can I get an amen? All right, so do not be afraid. Don't think that you're being an overly controlled parent or, uh, you know, that you're, you're being too hard or too... Are you kidding me? We are talking about their life here. You have the right to be the parent. So, you know, we have, to, we have to protect our kids. We're not protecting them. It's just like I said, the physical illustration. 
you would do something. But what about all the other stuff that's coming in your home and you're not doing anything? You have to do something. You have to protect your kids and your grandkids from this world's ridiculousness and don't let them just be inundated with the culture of the world. You're, you're, you're pointing your kids and your grandkids in the ways of the Lord, not the ways of the world. The ways of the Lord. The ways of the Lord. All right. There's this, and I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when I, I talked about the power of our words, and I found it, and I want to share it with you real quick. Numbers chapter 30, uh, verses th- 3 to 5. When a young woman still living in her father's household makes a vow to the Lord or obligates herself by a pledge, or she says something or makes a promise, I'm just kind of making it simple to understand, and her father hears about her vow or pledge but says nothing to her, then all her vows and every pledge by which she obligated herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears about it, none of her vows or the pledges by which she obligated herself will stand. The Lord will release her because her father has forbidden her. What am I saying? This is, what I, this is how I interpret this to today's world. My, let's say my, my daughter says, oh, you know, something happens. She says, I'm just so stupid. And I hear it. When the Bible says a father hears a vow or a pledge or something and he does nothing, then that vow stands. And by, by my silence, I am agreeing with her statement that she's stupid. Or I need to be a leader and a protector. And I need to say, that's not true, honey. You are not stupid. And whatever else, you know, all you say, no, you're not. And I'm going to win because you have to win that argument. All right? So, or, oh, I cannot, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Those kind of statements uh, don't get, they don't get away with those statements in our home because I was trained that way too by my parents. Anytime I say anything negative or, you know, whatever, my dad or mom would always correct me out loud immediately and uh, we, I just couldn't win those arguments. And you can't let your kids win those arguments and you can't be passive when you hear statements being made. The Bible talks about vows. We talk about the power of our words. When we say stuff about ourselves, those are words, those are vows, those are promises, those are pledges. And, and when we say, I'm never gonna do that, oh, hold on a minute, you, your antenna should go up. I could never be like that. Hold on a minute. Well, I'm not able to, hold on a minute, or I'm this or I'm that. Your antenna should be like, wing, 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 and you have to do something. You have to do something. The Bible says if you don't do anything, you're agreeing, and the vows will stay. But listen to this again. Listen. The Lord, if, if the Father forbids it, when he hears it, when he hears it, and he says, no, that's not going to happen, the Lord will release her, and the, the words will be canceled, and the vow will not remain. This is one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is filtering the words in your home and canceling out all the negative vows and all the negative thoughts and all the negative comments. Cancel them out. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Finally, a godly father provides uh, for his family and for his children. Uh, When we were created, it says that we were placed in a garden. And when Adam looked around, he had everything. He had everything. He didn't have to work for anything until he went rogue, when he went independent from God, and then he had to work, remember? And the ground was going to be cursed, and it was going to, through the sweat of his brow, he's going to have to try to survive, and it's going to be battling thorns and thistles and all that hard sweat and hard work. 
Before that, when he was created and he was in God's in relation with God, he had it all. He had everything that he needed for life. And so God is our provider, and he always provides. Even in our rebellion, God provided and chased us down with his love through his son, Jesus Christ. Chased us down, and in our salvation, what has God provided for us? He's provided for us, as I say all the time at communion, freedom from our sin, forgiveness of our sin, and healing for our soul and our body. That's what he has provided. He's provided everything for us. And as a father, we need to continue to understand that is part of our role is to provide. And I want to just throw this out to you. Uh, men, this is one of the visions and dreams I have of my life. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So this is one of the goals of my life is when I finish, if, if Jesus doesn't come back before, before I, I leave, is that I am leaving an inheritance for my grandkids, that I'm leaving more behind than I used up during my life. I want to be a blessing. I want to have a good name. I want my family provided for. I want them taken care of. And that's one of my dreams. That's one of my goals as, as, a, as a man is to leave a legacy of prosperity and success uh, so my family will be blessed. And God says, listen, as you follow me, as you put my ways into practice, it will go well with you and for your children, right? So I'm holding on to that promise. How about you? How many of you are wanting to be a blessing and leave a legacy for your family? The Bible says you're a good man. If you live your life in such a way that you leave an inheritance for your kids' kids. Isn't that cool? So if you're a young man especially, uh, I want you to think about that and make that one of your lifelong goals is that you leave a blessing for your legacy, for your family line. And uh, the Bible says this, 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Praise God. I've got a lot more notes. I'm just going to read through them, and you can study them on your own if you want. But I just wanted to say this. I want to pivot at this point and say, what does it mean to be a child of God? Okay, we're talked, I just talked to our fathers and our upcoming fathers about our responsibilities uh, as reflective of our Heavenly Father, who He is to us. Of course, He is the one who provides for us and protects us and leads us. But what does it mean to be a child of God? I just want to remind you of some things really quick. The Bible says you are a child of God. It says that's who we are. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. Okay, what does that mean, to be a child of God? What does it mean? These are just a couple of pointers, and I'd like you to maybe uh, take some time this week to read and meditate on 1 John chapter 3. Just read through that and, uh, and go through these notes and 1 John chapter 4, and just look at the love of God and how that impacts us. But the number one point I wanted to make is that the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2 and 3, when he appears... We shall be like him. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And I want to tell you what it means to be a child of God is that you are becoming, becoming like him. When I was young, my dad was into sports. And he was the, what was he, the football quarterback, point guard on the basketball team. Uh, he was a baseball pitcher. So when I grew up, we were just sports, 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 sports. Everything, everything that had a ball, we, I, I played with it, you know. So I, I loved sports. My dad would run around the block, so I'd run around the block with him, and now all of a sudden I got good at running. And, and so I 
started to become like my dad. And then I grow up later in life, and I start hearing about other things, like in middle school, all these guys going hunting. I'm like, hunting? What you guys do? I knew nothing about hunting. Uh, and all these seventh graders are like, oh, yeah, we're going up north. I got my gun permit. I did my And I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Why? Because my dad didn't do any of that stuff. I became like my dad. And then during that time of my life, my dad wasn't hunting and fishing. So I don't, I don't know anything about hunting, fishing, or cars. <laughs> but my point is this. Your heavenly father, when he appears, when Jesus comes again, the Bible says, we shall be like him. He is transforming us to be like him. And you know what he is? He's love. He is love. And what God is trying to do in your life is give you his heart of love. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to teach you how to love. That's why you have so many difficulties loving people. Because <laughs> that's how you learn. That's why you're married. <laughs> to learn how to love. I'm serious. That's how... That's why we get married. You thought you got married, you know, because you like that person. No, you got married because God wants you to learn how to love somebody. And that's why we have kids. We got to learn how to love on a whole new level. Okay? We're really good at self-love, but other love, we're not so good. So God puts these things into place so we learn how to love, and we learn how to have his heart. And so he's love, and what he's doing, he's, he's helping you become like him and he's trying to get love into your life, into your heart. That's what he's trying to do. It all boils down to that. Uh, the second point I wanted to make is we don't live in sin. 1 John 3, 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. But if you're a child of God, you are no longer enslaved to habitual sin. Doesn't mean you don't have hiccups. Doesn't mean you don't have moments of insanity. And you make a mistake and you sin. I'm not saying that. What the Bible is saying is you are no longer enslaved to sin. You're no longer comfortable with sin. And God is changing you and he's descending you so that you can live the way that your true heart wants to live. In obedience to God, unlocking the blessings and favor of God into your life. That's what's so awesome about it. This isn't about right and wrong or being good enough or not good enough. This is about life and death. And when we live God's way, we have life, joy, peace, fullness, purpose, wholeness, all those things. And when we don't, we have brokenness, death, you know, divisiveness, pain, regrets, all kinds of problems. Amen? So, so he is descending your life. And so because you're a child of God, you have victory over sin. You can win over sin. You can win. You can defeat it. You do not have to live bound to sin any longer. Any addictions that we struggle with, we can have victory. We can have freedom. That's not going to win in your life. Jesus is going to win. Freedom's going to win. Can I get an amen? Okay, he's got victory for you. That's who you are. You're a child of God. The Bible says that's who we are. That's who we are. We're children of God. How great is the lavish love of God that he would call us children of God. And that's who we are. John says, and that's who we are. This is real. This is true. Uh, number three, we are righteous. God has made us righteous. Now, I want to say it this way. We are becoming more and more 
practically righteous as we realize our positional righteousness in God. That's a fancy sentence to say this. Once you begin to realize that you really are forgiven of God, you really are loved, you begin to understand your new identity in God, then you begin to live differently here. You begin to live more in alignment with who you know you are now. If you think you're a loser, you live like a loser. You think like a loser. I'm just saying. If you know you're a winner, you think like a winner. You act like a winner. If you know you're a child of God, you start thinking like a child of God. You start behaving like a child of God. You expect uh, to be healed. You expect to be loved. You expect God to show up. You know God's gone before you. You, you know he's got your path p- paved out for you. There's a different confidence. There's a different peace. And you begin to live like a child of God when you start to understand you are a child of God. And you are righteous. You are forgiven. You cannot be any more forgiven than you already are if you've placed your faith in Jesus as Lord. And your behavior will gradually line up with that reality, but the truth is you are completely forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are absolutely forgiven. Doesn't mean what you did was right. Doesn't mean it was swept under the rug. It was paid for in full by the blood of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. He's taken it away. So this has been such a big revelation to me. It hit me about 15 years ago in my life. It hit me like I'd never seen before, and I've never, I, I've never let myself forget about it because it just revolutionized my relationship with God. Because for so many years, I was trying to prove myself to God or trying to get my act together or trying to get myself perfect or righteous or whatever. And when I finally realized as a pastor, I really was forgiven and that truth sunk in, it just totally changed my life. It gave me freedom to actually be who I already was and just didn't realize it. I pray that blessing on you, that revelation on you. Um, We don't have time to do the others, but I want to just say this. We are born, number four is we are born of God. You are uh, born of him. You belong to him. And every week when I give you guys the priestly blessing, uh, the verse after the priestly blessing in Numbers 6.27, God says, so the priests, they, will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. I want you to know in the spiritual realm, if you're a believer, in the spiritual realm, you have been tagged by God. Like, not like cattle, but you know what I mean? You've been branded. There is something recognizable about you in the spiritual realm that you're a child of God. You have special privileges. You have been forgiven. There's something called the favor of the Lord that can surround you now, like a shield. The wisdom of God can be released to you. You're different in the spiritual realm than someone who is lost, someone who has not uh, received Christ as Lord and Savior. That, that person, their spirit is not born again. You are born again. You are born of God. You have God's seed in you. You have all the potential of heaven inside of you. And you are under the protection of God himself. And so God says, put this blessing on the people You're going to put my name on them, the Lord, the Lord. The high priest would go into the uh, Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. One day out of the year, he had a, uh, like a crown on, and it said, uh, uh, it said, what did it say? The Lord, it said the Lord's name. The name of the Lord was upon him to protect him as he came into the presence of God. 
And God is saying, I want my name on every single one of my children. And so every Sunday when we do this blessing, we're doing what God said to do so that his name is upon you. You belong to God. Do you know what that means? I don't know if you've ever had a, a family member with a really good reputation or a relative or something that you're proud of. I'm a descendant of George Washington or something like that. Or, or just you have a family member and someone would say, oh, you're his boy? Or you're, her, you're his girl or her girl? Oh, I know them. And you're proud of that? Let me tell you, you belong to the Lord. You are his daughter and his son, and you better believe you got special privileges. You got all of heaven backing you up because your father, your father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of it all. He can do it all anytime he wants to. And all of heaven backs you up. There should be an internal healthy recognition pride of who you are in him that helps you throughout your day, every single day. You belong to him. And his name is upon you. And in the spiritual realm, you know, there's a, there's a spiritual warfare going on all the time, all the time, trying to discourage us, destroy us, rob from us, hurt us, harm us, divide us, get us to be broken up, broken up our relationships, and all that kind of stuff. But in the spiritual realm, you are his, you belong to him, and the blessing of the Lord is upon you, but we have to walk under that covering by honoring him and honoring the Lord. So I want to pray a blessing on you. As we close our service, um, I want to invite all of our missionaries forward, okay? So if you're going to Peru or Africa, would you guys come on up here real quick? We want to just pray for you guys, and let's give them a round of applause for sacrificing time and money and energy to be able to do this. Annette, I see you out there. Caleb's in the cage. Um, all right. Just you guys. Oh, we got a couple more trickling in. Dave's up in the video booth. So maybe, Chris, you can go up there and lay your hands on him. Don't, don't hit the camera, though, because it'll bounce on us. Wave to the camera. Come, come on over here, guys. Is she, can she hear us? Amy, why don't you guys come on up here? We've got enough room up here for you. All right, let's stand together and let's extend a blessing to these, uh, to these missionaries, um, believing that God is going to do a great work in their lives as they do this trip. But also, we're believing that God's going to do a great work through their lives as they offer their, themselves uh, to this great adventure. So they've made a lot of sacrifices uh, financially. They're going to be making a lot of sacrifices physically, you know, to do this trip. And we want to pray you're covering, God's covering on you guys, okay? So let's pray together. Let's extend a hand of blessing towards them. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for these missionaries, Lord. We send them out right now in the name of the Lord. God, with your favor and your protection, we thank you that your word says your favor surrounds us like a shield. And so we pray your favor right now to surround uh, these men and women who are going to serve, not just you, but we send them representing the Lamb of God family. And we pray, Lord, that your blessing will be upon them, your anointing will be upon them. God, they'll have a special equipment from heaven to do whatever they're called to do. Lord, that it will be anointed and it'll be fruitful and it'll produce life-changing results in the people that they, they touch. Lord, you protect them in all the travel. You protect them from all sickness and disease. You protect them from any headaches or any discomfort, any uh, uh, disunity in the team. Lord, that there will be perfect unity, perfect peace, 
uh, strength, uh, health, everything that they need, Lord, to be successful on this trip. And may they leave an impression of kingdom love and activity and life behind. May they have a wake of revival in the places that they go and just bless them, Lord, with wisdom and grace and all that they need. We, we send them now in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Go get them. Go get them. Let's, uh, well, we're going to fin- finish with a song, and then uh, if you guys can stay, we actually have a party planned. Anybody like a party? So we got some food, um, we got some games, a couple prizes to give away, and uh, we're just going to have a short family, you know, kind of cookout and just enjoy each other's company for, you know, about an hour, hour and a half or so, as long as you want to stay. We got some cornhole, or cornhole, cornhole, cornhole tournament we're going to play. Um, I'm not sure what's on the menu, hot dogs or potato salad or stuff like that, but it'll be good. And we're just, we're just as families, okay? So when you go out uh, to our party time, our meal time, um, as a family, you're responsible for your children. It's just a big family. If you're comfortable with them running around the yard, that's fine, or whatever they're doing, but they're yours. They're yours, okay? So when, we, when the service is done, they're still your kids. So just take care of them. Watch out for them. But let's have a great time together just uh, spending some time together. But let's go to our Heavenly Father this morning. Lord, we thank you for today. And God, I just thank you for your love. And I just thank you for the, the strength that you provide as our strong leader. You are the strong leader of this home, of this spiritual family. You are the leader of heaven. Lord, we honor and thank you because of your great love that you lead us with. You don't lead us with a heavy-handed, uh, you know, uh, uh, harm or hurtful way, but you love us and you lead us, Lord, by serving and loving and giving. And so I just pray, Lord, the gift of your love to flow in each and every heart here this morning. God, that your love would just flow in us and through us and that you will bless us, God, that we truly would be living a life in such a way that your blessings are released into our lives and into our children and into our children's children that we truly would shine, shine that light, Lord, because it's a reflection of the glory of God on our lives. Lord, have your way in us, we pray. And may you bless the families today as they may share some time together outside of this morning. Uh, Bless the family times, Lord. Bless us, Lord, as we celebrate one another in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's sing a song before we go.